You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now your hosts, Daniel Sanangelo and Trey Harris. Listen to a podcast. Should find the karaoke version. <laughs> 80s Revisited. In your ears, my podcast plays <laughs> while you're in the car. Or you could be jogging or sitting at your computer at home. Write these out. I'm gonna stop there because I don't think I can <laughs> yeah. continue it without being stupid. Yes, everybody, the 100th episode numerically of 80s Revisited. <laughs> of course, next episode is truly the 100th uh, live episode without great, without the great. We're not including the greatest hits album, right? Episode, I should say. So this is technically 99, but a. It's it's no it's to me it's technically 100 but officially it's 99, and there's no better movie from my personal childhood to be the last film we do before the extravaganza that's going to be revealed to you at the end of this episode for the next two episodes. You're it's going to inspire debate for the rest of your life. Ooh. So there's the teaser. That's a teaser for sure. But anyway, this movie we'll get into it. But uh, let's do the technical stuff first. Uh, Neverending right. Story. You know, uh, first of all, this was a heavily produ- This was pretty much a German movie, shot in Germany for the most part, except if, uh, the scenes of Bastion was done in Canada. Uh, but the German title was, and I apologize to any Nazis. I mean Germans listening <laughs> to the podcast. But uh, in Germany, it was Die Unleidsgesenschnitt. I don't know if I just offended you or said you look very pretty or. If I actually said the Neverending Story, which I highly doubt, <laughs> but that's that's what it's that's the uh, t- the title in Germany. And this it is interesting to note that this uh, I'm not sure if it is still to this day, but at its at the time it was the most expensive German movie or movie that uh, originated in Germany. There's really no, I guess no better way to put it. <laughs> uh, but it released over here July 20th, 1984. Uh, one year and ten days later, my brother would be born, and my toys would then be split forever. Between me and my younger sibling. Uh, IMDb, 7.4. Rotten Tomatoes, 81% critics, 82% audience, which is pretty amazing. Uh, very rarely do you see uh, a high-rated congruence like that between both critics and audience. Uh, it's very, definitely not a common uh, thing to see. The budget, $27 million estimated in German francs. This is pre-euro. Uh, it opened in the United States for 4.3. Domestically, only grossed 20.1. I uh, couldn't find any numbers for you know worldwide. Obviously, in Germany, I would assume it was a big hit. I assume, let's say, it made at least five to ten in 80s dollars. Uh, but couldn't find out anything concrete on that, at least. Uh, and it is it is of note too that this was based on a German book. Die Unlichtgeschenkt. Uh, <laughs> By a gentleman named Michael End, which more on him later. Actually, it's E N D E, so maybe it's Ende. No, it's End. It's, it's German. Just end. <laughs> the E is silent, but witchy. Yeah. Uh, but it was directed by a veteran of the podcast, Wolfgang Peterson. Uh, he re- uh, excuse me, not recently, but he did Enemy Mine, which we covered a while back. Uh, of course, some of his big uh, notable movies: Air Force One with Harrison Ford, Get Off My Plane, In the mm-hmm. Line of Fire with Clint Eastwood, and uh, the movie that kind of brought Malkovich to. Prominence, I would say. Uh, he also did the remake of one of the. I'm pretty sure it was the '70s. It was the one of the uh, coolest movies from my childhood as well, uh, the Poseidon Adventure. Mm. Which uh, that was one of those movies that my mom's like, "Oh, you like that movie? You should watch this movie." And of course, this is you know VHS days, renting VHS from the video store, and nobody ever had it. Uh, so thanks to the premium movie channel Encore, mm. is how I saw the Poseidon Adventure. And nice. numerous times, because when Encore started, like we talked about with Predator, they had like maybe ten movies, and they played the same ten movies yep. the entire time. And luckily, 
Poseidon Adventure was one of them. It's still one of my favorite movies uh, from that era, especially. Remake, not so much. Even though it's got Kurt Russell in it, it's not a good remake. But uh, Peterson became famous because of a film called Das Boot, which is uh, a very long movie. It's one of those VHSs that was two VHSs. Wow. Uh, it's worth watching once because once you get to the ending and you see how depressing the movie becomes, that you really just don't ever want to watch it again. Hmm. It's kind of like the Everybody Hurts music video, Once is Enough. <laughs> and if you if you watch it and you keep it on through the end, you're just like, eh, eh, just kind of depressed yourself. now. <laughs> yeah. Not saying it's a bad movie, it's just one of those... The, when you, once you know what's going to happen, it's just like, it's a bummer for the rest of the movie. Sorry for the spoilers, but I'm just warning you up front. This movie is like, you know, 40 years old. Uh, so there's no, the embargo is lifted on spoilers for movies that old. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was written, The screenplay, at least, was written by Wolfgang Peterson as well as Herman Weigel. Uh, and again, Michael Ond, or Ind, uh, wrote the novel. Uh, starring Barrett Oliver as Bastion. Uh, more notably, he was in Cocoon 1 and 2, uh, a couple of other great 80s movies. In fact, uh, the first Cocoon was one of those movies that had a scene that just freaked me out as a kid. It's the scene where the cocoons are in the pool, and mm-hmm. then the kids go in, I believe, and they're hiding. They hide because they hear the the people coming or whatever, or the older people, and they hide in the closet, and then that's when they unzip their skins, right. and they know they're in the closet, so they're running at them. There's a scene where they're like running to the closet, and for some reason, as a child, <laughs> that scene scared me. The way they look when they're running at them look like glowing gingerbread men like with their mouths agape, like, oh! Maybe you should revisit it. We, it, it will, it's on the list, uh, so to speak. Uh, but that was that's the that's the thing I most remember from Cocoon was like seeing that movie and being like, "That's terrifying." It's kind of like the Wheelies and Return to Oz. Like you're just like, "Okay, I don't want to see that again as a kid." <laughs> you never get enough. old, and you never die. It's so hopeful. <laughs> yeah, but you un- where do they hide the zippers on those suits? <laughs> oh, you know where. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll save that for when we actually talk about the movie. But uh, he was also in the original Frankenweenie, which was uh, not the yeah the uh, CG with the that short came out recently, version. the short live action black and white uh, Tim Burton one. We mentioned uh, Justin earlier, and he saw this cover at the movie th- uh, video store. He rented it, and it was like really short. Yeah, it's so like twenty minutes long or something. It's like, <laughs> like why is it so short? <laughs> I remember that. Uh, what a waste thing. of money. <laughs> As a kid, we rented it, you know, and it's not it's not cheaper. Right, it's not cheaper to rent it. I was like, oh, this looks interesting. It's a Disney movie. I never heard of this. It looks funny. Oh, Tim Burton, he did Batman. You know, get home. Before the supper comes out of the oven, the movie's <laughs> over. It's like, what the hell? But that's fun. That's funny. It's the same, exact same thing with me. But, uh. Like, we made a killing on the short. <laughs> no shit. Just don't put short on the cover and we're good. For real. But, uh, Baird Oliver, currently, he now teaches photography in Los Angeles. So if you're in the LA area and you want some photography lessons, Look up Barrett Oliver and tell him we sent you from 80s Revisited. And if he wants to come do an interview, really, we'll do one for him. But uh, Noah Hathaway, most notably the best character from the film, Atreyu, where my name did not come from. (laughs) Uh, I I know a bad punk rock. I don't know if it's a punk rock. There's some band that has the name Atreyu. I don't think I've ever heard him, which leads me to assume that I probably wouldn't like them since I haven't heard them. Mm. So I'm going to base that on an assumption that they're not good to me. So... Bad form for naming yourself after a Treyu and your band's not good. I'm sure there's fans, but I wouldn't know. Well, but as a matter of fact, not before next week, but I will actually listen to something by the... Actually, if you want to play some in the background while we're talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not... A, at first, I was like, eh. It's got a good crunch to it. We'll... I'll report back on that. Definitely crunchy. But uh, <laughs> with Noah Hathaway, mainly he did a lot of like onesie roles on TV uh, and such shows as Chips, Mork and Mindy. Uh, the only other real motion picture he was in was Troll, of note, I should say. Uh, and if you're in the L.A. area and you, you after you learn photography from Bastion, <laughs> you can go get a tattoo from Noah Hathaway, who runs a tattoo parlor in L.A. Really? with his wife. It's like, yeah, go on the never-ending story tour <laughs> <Yeah>. in L.A. <laughs> in L.A. <laughs> Come back with actual physical things. Yeah, like, like hey, I got, I got the tattoo. R and tattooed on my chest from the from Atreyu himself. You know that would be a that's a cool souvenir if you're a fan, <laughs> that big a fan of the movie. Uh, probably the biggest star in this film, honestly, with the exception of the one I'm about to get to. But uh, in general, I would say uh, biggest star of this film is Deep Roy. Uh, he's Teeny Weenie, the snail rider. For those who don't know the name, does he have a band? Nope. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I wouldn't doubt there's a band called Teeny Weenie. Oh, I thought you meant Deep Roy. 
Mm, guess not. Nope, no band. <laughs> but most notably, uh, he's in a lot of Tim Burton stuff lately. Is uh, Big Fish, Charlie <laughs> and Chocolate Factory. He was in Return to Oz, which we covered on here. He was also in Flash Gordon. And uh, also in the HBO series Eastbound and Down. Just watch the first season because the rest of them are terrible, in my opinion. Uh, Moses Gunn was Chiron. Uh, he's the big black guy with the Demetrodon. Uh, right. Whatever you want to call it on his head. But uh, he was also in Shaft. And a shame Daniel isn't here because he was also in Little House on the Prairie. Oh. And also, uh, the, other thing, the other show I recognize him from as a kid, my parents loved to watch Homicide, Life on the Street. And he was in that as well. And you know what? When I just said Daniel's name, something struck me. I didn't say who we were. <laughs> and I know some of like, People hey, know. This if, is episode I would like to think 100. so. But, you know, if, if you know, speaking Daniel's name, if he were here, and as I stare at his empty microphone position, covered <laughs> in dust, yeah. uh, he would have said, and who, and who are you? Oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. That's true. So, so caught up in the, uh, in the, the anniversary. Yeah. You know, just, but, but just so you know, in honor of Daniel... I'm Trey Harris, and with me as always is my personal Falcor, whom I ride to work every morning, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And he's actually wearing white, so that yeah, it works. I'm not wearing buckskin. The hell you aren't. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. Over your grave. But, uh, yeah, and now to me, the most, fam- most notable person in this film, starring in this film, Alan Oppenheimer. He was the voice of the Rockbiter, also Falcor. Gmork and the narrator. The narrator has one line at the end, you know, and that is another story. Mm. But Alan Oppenheimer is otherwise known as none other than Skeletor from <sighs> Masters of the Universe. Not the movie, but the cartoon. And not only did he voice Skeletor, but also Cringer and Man at Arms. Uh, he also does voices for Adventure Time, as well as uh, motion picture-wise. Most recently, he was a voice... In that movie, Nine, with, uh, I think, Elijah Wood was in that as well. It was actually, I thought it was a pretty cool little movie. Oh, yeah, the little animated thing. Yeah, well, like, like Ragdoll-looking. Yeah. Had a very kind of Burton-esque steampunk aspect to it. I think everybody thought it was. <laughs> yeah, Tim Burton. Actually, I, I think it was produced by him or something. Oh, what? It seems, is it? I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> I just know it wasn't directed by him. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, but uh, Major Dad himself, Gerald McRaney, was Bastion's father, again playing a dad. Uh, but, of course, he was a major dad, as mentioned before, and Simon and Simon. Uh, and rounding out the cast, Tammy Stronach. I'm not sure how you pronounce her last name. But she was the childlike empress. Uh, pretty much the only other thing she's done is two other foreign films. And uh, But most notably now, she's more known for being a, a dancer. As far, uh, I think over, she was born in Israel, if I remember her IMDb thing correctly. So she's kind of more of a across-the-sea star. Mm. Not so much over here. Uh, and that pretty much does it for the cast. But going back to like this movie is extremely special to me because this is this is one, uh, especially from the era from 1984 when I was four. You know, video it, was, it came out in July '84, which means I probably saw. Uh, I don't remember seeing it in the theater. Uh, I would imagine I probably did. I can't say for sure. I never asked my mom about it. Uh, but I do know that the VHS was worn out in the <laughs> player on this one. This this was one. And this was one I had. It was in the big... Remember how the, we, we talked before about the Disney cases? Yeah. This one was in one, but it was black. Oh. It was, a, I think, Warner Brothers kind of anti-Disney. thing. Anti-Disney. <laughs> the anti-Disney <laughs> cases. Black clamshell. Uh, but this is one that, more so than a lot of the movies... Not talk, not saying disrespect any of the movies we've done, but this is one that truly kind of captured my imagination as a kid. Uh, and, you know, this was one, much like Willow, two years later... Where uh, you go out, I'd go out and we, you know, we like, oh, who are you? Well, I'm gonna be, uh, I'm just trying to think of somebody of the era. You know, I'm gonna be He Man. Okay, well, you're Free Man. I'm gonna be a Trey You. Oh, it makes no sense, <laughs> but you know, this that, that's how in, uh, important this movie was to me growing up. Uh, and this is one that I've watched. I've probably seen every year since it came out, at least once a year. Uh, absolutely love it. The theme song is on my po- uh, my iPhone playlist right now. Uh, hmm. So. In fact, in fact, I thought about looking for the karaoke version for the Halloween party, but then <laughs> didn't think didn't think about it any more than that. Right. But uh, yeah, in fact, I have a scar. Oh, let me phrase. I had a scar on my uh, top of my head because uh, this song came on, or excuse me, I was at my grandparents and uh, watching MTV or flipping the channels or something, 
And as they were flipping it, they came across the music video for it. I'm like, stop, stop. So I started, for lack of a better word, headbanging to this song <laughs> as a kid of five, like not, no, you know, awkward moving my body to, you know, as kids right. do. What's happening to me? <laughs> the music is taking control. <laughs> and I swung my head into the end of a coffee table and busted it open. Blood was everywhere, not everywhere, but uh, immediately stopped like, you know, like, what the heck? You know, and so I have a scar. I might, not again, I have a semblance of a scar somewhere on my head. As the years go by, it will become more visible <laughs> as my hair keeps thinning. To I can then show people, like, this is from the Neverending, this is from the music video <laughs> by Lemal of the Neverending Story. I was out for, seemed a while, I walked through this land and <laughs> met a giant flying dog. That would have been cool. Yeah, like if it, if I, like I, I thought the movie actually happened yeah. to me because I was headbanging during it as a child. And wake up and like, and you were there. And you were there. My dog at the time was Falcor. Yes. My dad was Gamort because he was a mean, mean man. No, just kidding. He was a lovely man who only beat me when I did something stupid. Yep. As kids tend to do. But uh, like I said very near and dear to me and we were talking before we went on the air how kind of shocked we both were that we hadn't done this one already Mm -hmm. because it just seems like we should have uh but revisiting it and again it's so fresh to me because i've seen i like i mentioned i see it every year this movie there there's still some green there's some bad green screen Mm. which to me that's forgivable for a movie of the era because of the technology oh yeah, yeah, yeah technological limits but uh you know falcor is still a pretty decent puppet uh, he's not the most mobile puppet. I mean, pretty much only his head and his eyes move. But uh, he still looks pretty good when they're talking and all that. And they do a good job with the uh, with Gamork. And, oh, I, I can't believe my childhood happiness completely drowned out, pardon the pun, of the single most traumatizing scene of this film. Hmm. When, his, when Artex dies in the Swamp of Sadness all right. as a kid. Oh, yeah. There was not a dry eye to be had <laughs> as a child. And still watching it, like the other night, me and my wife were watching I'm like, hold me, baby, it's so sad. I actually but, haven't seen this movie in a while, but that one, that does stand out. Yeah, I mean, like, and it's done so well. Like, mm-hmm. when you're, and, and that horse, now they did actually have, like, a platform to lower it. You know, never enough to no, they put it underwater. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to they save your up. emotion. No, Jesse, they didn't. Listen, I'm trying to help you. But you can, the thing is, uh, Hathaway's acting right there is, for a kid actor, it's pretty like, I believed it as a yeah. kid. And even today, it's still pretty good. Uh, and the horse is acting and, too. No, that's what, no, seriously, <laughs> like, joking aside, like, that horse is wide eyed and terrified that it's halfway underwater. And that horse gave a great performance and should have been nominated for a supporting uh, actor award for his, that role. Oh, don't, no, oh, Jesse, come on. You're going to kill the mood. <laughs> but, uh, they okay. won't play. Of course. Good, good. I can't handle this right now. But anyway, blocked it. <laughs> Damn. But this truly is probably one of. As a child, this was one of the single most. This and Old Yeller getting shot were probably two of the most uh, scenes of movies from my childhood that truly affected me, as in a emotional response. Uh, it's it's so sad. But of course, after. After at uh, after the resolution of the film, uh, Bastion wishes everything back to normal. Everybody's alive. Artex is alive. No, he's not. Every- he's still dead. It's well, just he, a copy. He, well, see, it's, it's, it's you know, in this timeline he's dead, but in the real timeline he's alive. You see, the grain of Fantasia is a flat circle that makes the world whole again. It's just so sad. And the music too it's like you know it's such a good job it's everything together to make the emotion of the scene especially for a kids movie right you know and i what's the you know the, honestly the only kids movie in recent years that i could hearken that has a such an emotional scene would be up which we all know up is not a cartoon for kids anyway it's right. for adults and it's a microcosm of your life and the movie ends after five minutes into it just kidding the whole movie's great <laughs> See, like, this is so sad. Now, I think it's this next shot, or I might have missed it, where he's pulling it, and the horse is, like, bug-eyed. Yeah. Horse ain't happy about it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, look at, look at the horse. Like, I did not choose to be an actor. He's like, oh, look. He's like, get me out of here. He's like, this kid's Pull freaking kid. out. <laughs> Someone, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> he's probably scared of the kid. No joke. 
they probably, yank my nose off. They probably told the kid Noah Hathaway, like, the horse is really dying. Yeah. You better save this horse. He's <laughs> responsible for it. Uh, it. It should also be noted that um, uh, the horse playing Artex, uh, they actually gave the horse to Noah Hathaway. Like, if you want, he get, oh, you, get, you can take him. Oh, wow. Except, here's the catch. They filmed it in Germany. No, halfway lives in America, and uh, the price of transporting the horse, getting it its necessary shots and all that bull crap, was way too expensive, so he couldn't keep the horse. It's like, here's... <laughs> so not, It was like the swamp of sadness in real life. Here's your horse. It's like, okay, we're dropping him in the swamp <laughs> instead. Like, uh, he's dead. Sorry, you got to put him down. You can't take him. No! If you take him, you have to ride him all the way back to America. <laughs> Which they they get to the ocean right when it's too deep. He thinks <laughs> like no, his whole life. Every everybody he knows as a, a in his life like dies that way. sunk in or, some sort of water. They're at the beach. He's sinking. No, no. <laughs> the one patch of quicksand in all of California. Like hey guys, y'all want to go to the pool? No, 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 no. no. no sorry, no. <laughs> go ahead. We're good. You go by yourself. Oh, we're terrible. Yeah, but yeah. I was so happy talking about the good memories that I nearly forgot to mention the truly most important moment of that film. But yeah, uh, I'm sure, I know you've seen the movie, Jesse, but uh, when's the last time you think you've seen it? Oh, yeah, it's been a while. Been a while. Good memories of it, though, I would assume. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, yeah. fond. Uh, oh, good. One thing I love about, uh, technically about this film is are the, uh, like the effects of the nothing. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, I'm not sure, it's like smoke underwater or something, but, you know, like it's overlapping effects. It's a very cool looking even today like it's a cool uh however they did it it's a cool effect yeah you know multicolored cloud i guess they just overlay different fog machines or something <laughs> but excuse me like like in the credits and the opening they have all like the different smoke swirling around looks really cool still looks cool to me to this day mm. but anyway uh and this was uh, a friend of ours uh perry and crystal perry was on the star wars ones if you could hear anything on those because that was before we had really good audio we had 20 people in the room we always talking yeah but anyway that he, one. he was on that one but uh he actually or his wife i should say actually read to the quick okay let me, let me set it up a little bit better and this makes me happy uh their kid's named remy named after gambit mm. by the way but he's sort of like uh my godson for lack of a better word like you know uh, we we hang out with him enough to where he's like, oh, Trey's here, you know, fun time. I'll entertain the kid. Uh, but anyway, they told me like one day, like, yeah, he saw Neverending Story on TV and couldn't stop watching it. Like, you know, uh, they yes, play yes. it. And then I was I like, a single tear rolls down my cheek. Like, yes, <laughs> he is a good boy. So they go buy the Blu-ray. You know, he watches it repeatedly, which, you know, and this kid, he just turned four. Right. So he's getting it out of younger than I could because it didn't come out till I was four. You know, but loves the movie to death. They get the book. So she reads to him at night and read to him the book hmm. so the interesting thing was there's a lot of stuff that happens in the book that doesn't happen in the movie but also the movie only takes place in the first half of the book hmm. so like when they say it's like in a, like at the end of this movie it's like and that is another story yeah that's the other half of the book right which uh they did make two sequels to this film i've only seen the one with jonathan brandis who is no longer with us because he killed himself but uh that one sucked so Oops. no inclination to see part three, which was like one of those direct-to-DVD type situations. Oh, wow. In fact, looking at the cover right now makes me 3.0 IMDb. Good enough for me to stay the fuck away. Yeah. Wow. But, uh... You want see the trailer? Looks like Jack let, Black's in it. <laughs> wait a second. Oh, he is in it. <laughs> Good eye. Whoa. All right. <laughs> sure. Okay, let's let's just give this a listen. Oh, it's Miramax. Got to be good, right? PG. Family Films presents Jason James Richter, the star of Free Willy, in the never-ending story three, Escape from Fantasia, based on the best-selling book by Michael Ende. Ah, Ende. Adventure continues. Uh, how do the effects in this look worse the than the original? <laughs> That's not the book. Favorite characters are back in an all-new movie. I don't see any of my favorite characters. Whose destiny she looks is controlled scary. By a hey, yeah. Storybook. 
How can something that's happening right now be in this book? Every <laughs> Are you reading that off of a card? Yes. Story. It took a while Bastion. for Oh, so Jack Black is a punk Maybe we could who, apparently, a who has a unibrow who apparently steals the never-ending story and is causing chaos to happen in Fantasia. This is my story, and I'm not going to let it happen. No. Get out of my way, Jack Black! Everything. How's he going to get? You got on leather jacket like everybody else. Hurry up, let's go! Whoa, that Falcro looked terrible. <laughs> okay, that looks worse than any effect in the first one. Green screen. God, take a journey beyond your imagination. That is terrifying looking right there. Never-ending story three: Escape from Fantasia. I hate seeing shit like this. Tarnishing why do they, the why name. Why do they want to escape? Fantasia's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> and with Bastion in the movie, it's pretty much better than his reality. Until he... Wow. Because, actually, you know what? I was thinking of this as I was watching it. My pitch for the second one, like if they actually did make a second one that picked up right where this one left off, it would be about how Bastion, pretty much since he's now God and has infinite wishes, pretty much becomes you know, the theme of absolute power corrupts absolutely. So Bastion now is like the nothing... And then, like, you know, some new character comes and has to kill, basically kill God. Hmm. It would be rated R, <laughs> by the way. It would have deep uh, deep drama, lots of titties. Oh, yeah. You know, typical thing. Typical you know, it would appeal to the audience story. who grew up on this and the darker turn that it would take. Now, but uh, speaking of uh, sequels to this, uh, that's that the one these, these sucked, uh, <laughs> there was talk for a while of a remake, but pretty much the estate of Michael Inde... Uh, at least that's what the part three says to All pronounce right. <laughs> it. I don't know how, after watching that trailer, I don't know what to believe, but uh, pretty much his estate, like, no, you're not making a movie of it again. And a big hmm. reason of, behind that is, is that he wanted his name struck from the movie. He thought the movie was so bad and disgraceful to his book that he didn't want anything to do with it. So hmm. there's only like a little thing at the end in the credits, like based on the book by, and that's it. Hmm. So... Apparently Hollywood burned him so bad. He thought this movie was so bad, which I'd love to know what he considers a good movie, if he thinks this movie's terrible. To pretty much say nope, it's crap. Like don't put my name on it. You're never making a movie it's of mine. My... The first one, huh? Yeah, wow. I can understand from this part three yeah. <laughs> or part two even. Like, hey, you fucked it up. No mm -hmm. more, no more. But uh, I posted on the Facebook page today, which by the time you're listening, to this would probably be yesterday or maybe the day before. But uh, a few uh, months ago, I came across online. I, just a independent artist. He just did basically concept art reimagining the main characters from the film, and they are absolutely fantastic. If they were like if, if they were remaking this film with his designs and a competent director, not a Michael Bay or anybody associated with Platinum Dunes, mm. uh, absolutely fantastic with the look of the, the look that I did the, see the this, aesthetic yeah. style that he has. Like it to me. It's un incredible looking. Like I wish they would make, or even just make a game in the world yeah. with this aesthetic. Look, I mean, Gamork looks fucking awesome. We're yeah. like that. He's like almost part of the nothing. Yeah. But uh, you can check these out. They're on our Facebook page, uh, or you can just pretty much Google Never. Nah, just story. go to our Facebook page. Yeah, but go there first. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, but this, to me, this is like something worth. Like if again, if if they were taking this aesthetic, you I, you can look at this and tell this person, this artist, like obviously really likes this movie, mm -hmm. and really thought about ideas for uh, an approach to redesigning these characters. And to me, it's 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 some of the coolest looking art. Is this a popular guy? Art. I am not sure at all. I know he has his own personal site uh, and stuff. He might, he might have done some magic cards or something though. It seems like. I mean, uh, yeah, he has the knack for it. But he's a very... Uh, let's see, Nicolas Francois. And he's French, so Nicolas Francois. Since it says l'art de, the art of, in American English. Maybe we should design a uh, never-ending story game and use his art. For real. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Do it. Because, yeah. yeah. Copyright 2014 <laughs> uh, Sedgley Games. Yep, sedgleygames.com. Uh but anyway, yeah. Uh, some other some other interesting tidbits about this film. Uh, the Tammy Stronach, the childlike emperor, she actually lost both of her front teeth shortly before filming this, and so they made she has fake teeth in the film, but uh, she couldn't talk without lisping until she, like for a while. So they had to kind of give her time to learn how to speak with her fake teeth, so that it wasn't. <laughs> I pray you. Hush, 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 you hush, need hush. to give me a name. 
Bastion, Bastion, please help me. <laughs> uh, and I didn't know this, and I, I meant to ask uh, Perry and Crystal if, when they were reading the book if this was true. This was from IMDb, so if you read the book and this is not true, I apologize because I didn't fact check it before I'm about to say it. But uh, apparently in the book, Atreyu was green, which it's kind of odd, but, uh, but the makeup hmm. team tried to make him green to match the book, but it just wasn't believable. So thankfully they said, nope. Nah, and I can just see that now. You look like Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> well, honestly, to be perfectly honest, I think it was more like they painted him green, they brought him to the set, and Wolf Wayne Peterson's like, uh, get that shit off of him. We have, <laughs> like, he walks in front of the green screen and it's floating clothes. You know, he's like, no, this, what are you doing? Get this shit off of this They kid. later used it in part three. Yeah, as we saw in the there was a scene in part three where they're obviously <laughs> wearing a green suit saying how their bodies disappear. <laughs> Oh, uh, speaking about uh, Michael Inde in his case, uh, he, he to quote, he felt that this adaptation's content deviated so far from his book that he requested they either halt production or change the name. When they did neither, he tried to sue, and he subsequently lost the case and thus said, take my name off this shit, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. Sounds like an asshole to me because the movie's fantastic. Uh, anyway, uh, the theme song, which I have a scar on my head from, as mentioned before, was sung <laughs> by Lim Ha. Uh, he was the lead singer of the pop band Kaja Gugu. Kaja and Gugu, as we all love. We were looking at some recent pictures of him, and he kind of has the same haircut as if, except if you dumped a bucket of water on his head. <laughs> uh, but he's apparently still playing nursing homes and random <laughs> events, playing the only song that he's known for, which is Let's the theme song, theme song for Neverending Story. Let's see if we could book him for episode 101. I'm sure booking <laughs> him would be cheap, but he's like, you know, you have to fly him over here. That's and true, that's where that would be more expensive because he's than English. Booking him. And there's the booking. Yeah, but then uh, we were kind of going. We were looking, look, watch, uh, watching some of his live performance to see what he looked like now. Uh, I was under the assumption, based on his name and his band's name, that he was probably German because much like even before much of this film took place or production wise was in Germany. But no, he's English. And in fact, his real name is what Christopher Hamill, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And the Lamal moniker or stage name was is pretty much just. Hamill reorganized into some barely pronounceable (laughs) word. He's like, who thought that was a good idea? But he did sing one of the greatest theme songs of any movie of all time, The NeverEnding Story. So, Mm -hmm. uh, of course, in the movie, the the land is called Fantasia. In the book, however, it's called Fantastica. Now, in German, it's Fantasien, which translates more accurately into English as Fantasia. So it's, I'm not sure why that's even relevant, but hey, now you learned something. <laughs> uh, now, I recently went to Europe, had the pleasure of going to watch my brother get married over there. And there was, we did a lot, I did a lot of research. What's over there? Because uh, we went to uh, Italy, France, and England, kind of up the, up the uh, English continent, whatever. But uh, in Germany, at, uh, on location at Bavaria Filmplatz in Munich, Germany, Falcor resides. Oh. And you can ride him. And by ride him, I mean you get on and they take a picture and superimpose the background. Hmm. Nevertheless, I was like, oh my God. And then I looked at the map and it's like, okay, it's 13 hours that way. Oh, wow. So there's no way to do it. But I was like... Unless you drive 13 hours. Well, yeah, which... Was, I'm not it's driving not on European drive. roads. Uh, a friend of ours from uh, Now Versus Nostalgia told me on Facebook, like, because I, I went over there, we should do European vacation, which it is coming uh, very soon, because now that I've been over there, I go, oh, yeah, and this, that's just like that. <laughs> not that not that I really could, because I don't even right. really go in that film, but as a segue or whatnot. <laughs> but, yeah, I was, I, I was like, okay, where is this on the map? How far is this from where we're at? No feasible way to do it without spending a couple hundred bucks on a plane ticket, which, wow, you know, in a sense would be worth it. But when I, I hate to say it, when I saw actual pictures of it, I was like, ah, it's not quite (laughs) what I remember. Like the puppet is there, but you can tell they've probably redone the, you know, it's. Looks like the one that was on stage at the mall. (laughs) Yeah. YouTube, some of his live performances when he sings this song. The 2011 one. Yeah. For sure. There is a, there's an Atreyu and Childlike Empress on stage as well (laughs) as a Falcor. And he looks more like Rudolph. Without horns and an albino, but the 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 uh, what's not the piece de resistance or whatever I'm thinking of, what I'm thinking of, they have a fan blowing on the puppet, so it's as <laughs> if it's flying 
in place. Yeah. But uh, it's okay. it's hilarious. You just have to watch it. But yeah, if you're in Germany or close by, not like us that are way across the world, you can go to Munich and you could sit on Falkor's back and get your picture, which is something I would love to do before I die, <laughs> but probably will not happen unless the lottery gods favor me. In which case, I will fly over there for the sole purpose. To buy it. <laughs> yeah. How much? <laughs> how, how many American dollars? <laughs> yeah. They probably sell it to me cheaper than it would be to transport the damn thing. So then my couch is Falcor. It's the same horse. It's like just still sitting there. It never gets back yes. for me. <laughs> yes. I would bring I horse. would buy the horse and bring it to Noah Hathaway. <laughs> Here you go, pal. Put a tattoo on it. <laughs> I wonder if like <laughs> I know you, I'm sure you could tattoo animals, but I wonder if any if that's a thing. Like I wonder if anybody's ever I'm tattooed. Sure someone's like, against it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, but I mean they brand they still brand cattle. It seems to me like if I was a cow. Oh yeah, they're like hey, that no, too. no, no, give me that tattoo. <laughs> give me that, that Chick Fil A tattoo on my shoulder, yo. Give me that Japanese symbol. Yeah, that means <laughs> beef or something. It's like damn it. <laughs> yeah, remember kids, if you're a young kid and you want to get a tattoo, never get any kind of Asian writing because yeah, the person putting fluent. it on you. Probably doesn't know what the fuck it means. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, one day, hopefully I would like to ride on Falcor's back. But some detail about Falcor. He's actually 43 feet long, motorized, 6,000 plastic scales, and pink feathered fur. His head alone is 3 feet tall and long, and he has a long tongue that's fully operational in the mouth as well, so you can have a sweet-ass make-out session. <laughs> and he looks like Victoria Beckham. There's that, uh, <laughs> there's that little comparison shot that you can... Just Google and you'll see. Uh, they have a pic. It's one of those pictures like that. Yeah, there it is right there. Victoria Beckham, aka Falcor. Nice. Plastic surgery can. Do, I mean, he is a luck. She is a luck dragon. So, or maybe that was one of Bastion's wishes: become a beautiful woman, Falcor, just like you want to be. Of course, they all use the same shot. Yeah. So in that one, no, there's no. that's an even better one from Land of the Lost. <laughs> Uh, I forget if they were called uh, Slee Stack yeah, there's Slee another Stack. one of her wearing sunglasses looking like a Slee Stack in fact when you, whatever you google there's a plethora of pictures of celebrities looking like things that aren't yeah. there like there's Mick Jagger looking like one of those shaved cats which is pretty <laughs> close <laughs> strangely enough but uh yeah so That's but Falcor is he's one of those uh, you know as a kid like there were times when I would pretend I was riding on Falcor <laughs> One, yeah, of the, the, one of the greatest uh, mythical creatures of any any movie, much less any of the 80s movies. Uh, the original Auron, which we talked about on another episode, I don't know which one, but I do want to mention it, uh, that uh, No Hathaway w- wore in this film is actually in a glass display case in Steven Spielberg's office. So even though he had nothing to do with this film, some for some reason he's got that. Like the one prop from the film that like I would want aside from Falcor, right. you know, as my couch would be that and motherfucker's got it sitting on his desk probably haha Trey Harris will never get this now I know how you think Spielberg this is what I said that you've done a good movie since Munich (laughs) Uh, wait what was his what was his last movie Spielberg's Spielberg Uh, directing wise was it War Horse or was there something it seems like I'm missing something I think we had this conversation before exactly that's what I'm trying to think like uh, uh, and it was um, Lincoln. Lincoln. Yeah, so aside from Lincoln. Still been a while, though. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. Munich was in 2005. That was his last good one until his follow-up was the worst film that we do not speak of involving Harrison Ford. Mm. Uh, Tintin, which I think he co-directed with Peter Jackson, which I didn't care for. War Horse was terrible. But then seven years later, he comes out with Lincoln following, which is his last good movie, which is his last movie, but... uh, Indiana Jones 5. That was his last good one. God, it's let, gonna be let him die. Four. Let him die. Just let. I don't know. I, in fact, I was uh, comic book men. They had the world's biggest Indiana Jones fan came into the sh- I saw this, that yeah. and like saying how like like he he looked hmm. insulted when Ming was like, oh yeah, you know there are three good ones. Yeah, and the dude like looked like he's like, oh, oh. he's like because he's dressed the part. Yeah, I mean, f- and there uh, was no way that little idol was real. No, no shit. It looked like it's, it, it looked it's not on camera. Painted and everything. It looked yeah. like you know somebody made it or it's a f- made it in shop class or something. Painted and then like wrote. It might yeah. be an actual thing they got him to sign. I would say the autograph I might don't be even more. Know about that. His answer was so ambiguous. He's like, it looks like the other ones I have. 
That's true. It's like, and that's, that's that, your way of saying no. That's, <laughs> it was just like, I hate that, that fact. Like, you know, to prove that I have Stan Lee's autograph, I pretty much have to say, look, here's the picture of me and him. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you know, like, it's, it's so, it, that's so, it's, I understand, but it's still like, you know, like, nobody will ever believe you unless you have something. Yeah, right. I met, uh, Auden's mom waited on Matthew McConaughey like a long time ago at where, one of the restaurants she worked and he signed a napkin. You know, um, yeah, I believe it, but nobody else is gonna, you know, like, oh yeah, it looks like it is. You know, it's just like, kind of sucks. Like, that's yeah. why when I was getting at Comic-Con, like we mentioned before, when last year when I uh, met Robert Unglin and all that, I had, you can't take pictures with him, but I had my coworker who was take staying outside the line taking pictures while he was doing it. So like, yeah, you know, it's, you know of course my children who I bequeath it to will know it's real. <laughs> But of course, you know, you know, kids are, they're going to grow up like, fuck, Freddy, Freddy Krueger. Hey, right. 10 bucks on eBay. Yeah. It's, it's or signed, apparently. <laughs> yeah. No, my dad got it. I don't know where, you know, yeah. for some reason, my kid will talk Can't like that. Can't authenticate it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you know, it's just, that it really sucks, like, for autographs. But I don't fucking remember. I mean, you have got. to, though. It's just, that's the I mean, way that, it is. Yeah, I mean, I, way it's, too un- many people it's understandable, but nowadays, it. you know, like, back in the day, like, for example, you could have, you know, uh... Uh, like say I'm trying to think about dead select Jim Morrison's autograph mm-hmm. or that's that's a bad example because there were a lot of pictures of that uh, Marilyn Monroe you could have her autograph that your grandmother got and like without like mailing it off and paying money to have an ex quote unquote expert say yes this is real right which what makes them a fucking expert <laughs> in my opinion you know to say like oh yes it's real mm-hmm. I looked at all they're doing is what that same dude on comic book man was doing like yep it looks the same it's real yeah you know I'm sure there's a little deeper science to it but for the I mean I don't sign my name the same way every time. Well, they you know? can check the age on it. And if it's like 10 years well, old, they'll be like, that's not real. But then it's like, <laughs> yeah, uh, we have to like destroy this letter of the signature to carbon date oh, this. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, well, I you can just do a corner. <laughs> <laughs> like one little, yeah. this ink fragment was from yeah. 2012 from Office Depot. Yeah. You're a liar. <laughs> or she's still alive. <gasps> anyway. Yeah, that's the thing. Everybody would just lie about it. Yeah. I forgot we all on that tangent, but. I know I would. Anyway. <laughs> Now, for the as a ch- until I got this movie on DVD, I never knew the fucking name that he screams out at the end to name the child like Empress. Mm. On VHS, they didn't really, you know, TVs back then didn't have closed captions uh, for the most part, you know, and you have to like just listen to it. And I would listen to it as a kid, like I don't know what he's saying, and of course, I mean, it's kind of common knowledge now, but the name that he gives the child like Empress is Moonchild. Mm. Bastion's mother was named Moonchild, so. And also, actually, I just thought about this. He has that backpack that has the Native American on it. So I wonder if, and Moonchild is not exactly an Anglo-Saxon name. What? So maybe his mother was Native American. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just coming up with some sort of crackpot theory. Is all I'm doing. What are your theories? Okay, my wife off phone, uh, microphone is saying it's a hippie name. So she was a hippie uh, or a Native American. Because hippies timeline. do dress like Native, Amer- Native Americans. You know, with the frill, uh, what are they called? Frills, is that it? Yeah. What something. is it? Fringe. 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 You know, uh, those fringe jackets that like the show. Mickey Rourke wears a lot now. Speak up. Not if I turn you up with this. Go for it. Okay. Lost Boys. When he's talking to Star, when he first meets Star, he says, oh, you're my, your parents too. My name was almost Moonchild or something. Remember that? Because his mom was a hippie. Vaguely. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember. Oh, we talked about Lost Boys on here, of course, uh, for not this year, but the previous year's Halloween thing. And the only line I really remember is, they're maggots, Michael. You're eating maggots. You do, because you love that movie. That's why we watch it every Halloween. Mm. I'm like, okay, we just watched, you know, every Friday the 13th, what do you want to watch, babe? And Lost Boys. <laughs> Which I'm fine with, because it's a great movie. A homoerotic vampire movie, but it's still a good movie. Which, listen to our episode on that for that whole spiel. If you <laughs> if you don't remember that movie, Corey Haim has posters of Rob Lowe half-naked uh, on his wall. Now he's in direct TV commercials. Which, apparently, that's... Quote, unquote, because Joel Schumacher, who's openly gay, put that in the movie because he just worked with Rob Lowe in St. Elmo's Fire. So it was like, hey, Rob, remember me, your director, Joel Schumacher? I will put the nipples on the bat suit. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's pretty much a lot of the, uh, most of the behind-the-scenes stuff for untold stories of the Neverending Story. Mm. Uh, Score-wise, again, 
I am completely biased to this film. Uh, I will give it a, as of to, as a kid, it was a ten. One of my still one of my favorite movies of all time. If I had to give my top, you know, maybe in the top ten, I can't say it would definitely be in like the top, you know, fifteen twenty. It'd be up there. Uh, but today, I can, there's no way I can't rate it any like my okay. I give it a nine point two. I, I can't as a as a fan and the nostalgia factor. I you know I can <laughs> never say this movie's below a nine. Right. You know because even. This this is a film that is truly dear. It's it's as dear to me as Star Wars. It's it is part of my development as a child. This was the one that I watched over and over. You know, a lot of people say, "Yeah, I watched a movie fifty times." I literally watched this movie at least that many times as a kid. Wow, no no ego on that at all. Like this one, <laughs> this was one that you know, it, and it's all through. Out my life, it stuck with me. Like I said, I still have the theme song, and this is before I watched it for the podcast. It's on my, it's been on my playlist because it's my. I'll be in the car and I will belt the fuck out of this song. <laughs> and then I get to red light and like, yep, that cool. Not singing along right now. I'm at the red light. Okay, I'm on the interstate. And then Le I, mal. <laughs> I do my best Limhal impression. But uh, anyway, again, this released July twentieth, nineteen eighty four, and in the real world, a couple of notable things actually took place. Uh, Let's see, uh, two days before it came out on July 18th in San Ysidro, San Diego, 41-year-old James Oliver Huberty sprays a McDonald's restaurant with gunfire, which I've never heard of the McDonald's massacre until just now, or until I read it. He killed 21 people before being wow. shot and killed himself at a McDonald's. Oh, crap. Now, see, that's, to me, that's surprising for the 80s, because you know, that was before MSG and all this gluten-free crap. <laughs> you know, I could see this happening now and not be surprised that some person would do something as terrible as that. But this was, uh, you know, 1984. 21 people in a McDonald's, huh? <laughs> and, oh, wait, this is terrible, including five children. He Okay, good. How many people were in this McDonald's? <laughs> he, killed, he killed 21 people, five of which were children. He injured 19 others. That means at least 40 people <laughs> were at this McDonald's. That's crazy. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not reading too much into it, but I mean, he either there were 40 people inside eating, seated eating, or he systematically walked through it and killed every employee and every person in it and the drive-through too. Just sat there, pull around, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, pull around, please. Go, go around that other car. <laughs> or he told he just told a lot of people to come through, and as they're like stopped there, he shoots the first one. Then he walks outside, and sorry to make light if anybody has somebody who died of this, but we're just thinking how the logistics of this. Right. Uh, it remain okay. Here, here we go. I go uh, to McDonald's a lot for work, and never seen forty. I don't people even know if forty people one. could fit in a McDonald's. Usually, the staff is less than ten. Yeah. Uh, so that would be thirty customers. That's implying that he killed the entire staff. Wow. Uh, or shot uh, the entire stuff. Yeah. Okay, but here's some interesting stuff. Uh, he was fatally shot by a SWAT team sniper. Good job. Uh, this shooting remained the deadliest mass murder committed in America until the 1991 Luby shooting, which research it on Wikipedia if you want to find out that. But this one remains the deadliest shooting rampage in which the perpetrator was killed by police as opposed to killing himself. Which mm, So he's going to keep going. So you learned something new today about how going to McDonald's... McDonald's. Despite what all these liberals want to tell you about the food, you're more in danger of getting murdered by a gunman, along with 39 other people, than you are of dying immediately. There was a shooting at one of the McDonald's that I'm at. Really? How long? Um, all right. I missed it by a week, though. Wow. <laughs> like, I mean, like a robbery type thing? Or? No, no, no. Just uh, two people who had guns. Oh, one guy had a gun, and he didn't like somebody. They pulled out his gun, shot him, and then someone not even involved ha- was carrying. Thank God, shot, shot the shooter. The Good. Yeah, and then the shooter, Texas justice, and the shooter in shot Louisiana. back at the guy or something like that. So it was just three injuries or something. No one died, but <laughs> jeez. But uh, pretty isolated. In fact, until kind of like seeing this, like the only uh, we had a thing locally, excuse me, in, in the town, my hometown of Walker, Louisiana, where uh, at a Popeyes, Popeyes chicken for those unfamiliar, great chicken by the way, phenomenal biscuits. But uh, anyway, uh, at the Popeyes my uh, in my hometown, maybe about so it was a while, a long time ago, maybe ten years ago, maybe. Uh, anyway, uh, a guy went in, walked in to the back where his wife or maybe ex-wife was working, took one of the chicken knives off the wall and just murdered her right there, and then ran out the back door. And from yeah, I had friends in the police department. They said it was like a horror movie in the back of that restaurant. What that crazy motherfucker did to that woman. 
But, uh, you know, so apparently now we all know that fast food massacres seem to be kind of common. So remember, well, I mean, Loopies is the next one. And my boss, current boss, he used to work at a, as a manager at a cafeteria style place in Florida. And, uh, yeah, he had this exact same story you just say happened there. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> Note to self and to listeners: use the drive-through. Well, you can't do it at the cafeteria. Well, I got that. Yeah, but I mean, he just went in there and killed that one person. Yeah, I mean, it was a crime of passion. So, I mean, like, it wasn't a massacre. I mean, it was a massacre for that poor woman, but I mean, it wasn't like a mass massacre. Yeah, I think what? we started talking about because we were talking about have you ever seen a dead body or something like that, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what brought that up. Oh, so it was like it was like the scene is staying by me. Hey, you ever yeah, seen a dead body? Yeah, <laughs> that when, was one. To when see somebody asks when somebody asks you that, you should immediately say why. Do you have one first? <laughs> that should be your first question. Yeah, and then like, yeah, come see, and then one, like huh? I'll be right there. I need to go to the bathroom first, and then you run the fuck away. Then <laughs> you leave. Yes. But uh, anyway, <laughs> three days after the Neverending Story came out, the lovely Vanessa L. Williams. Still lovely, as she was in uh, 1984 as well. She became the first Miss America to resign when and surrender her crown after nude photos of her appeared in Penthouse magazine. Hmm. I bet y'all didn't know that about Miss Vanessa Williams. Well, a lot, I know a lot of older people did, but yeah. But of course, now Interesting. she's a lot of TV shows and all that stuff. Uh, most notably, she was in the Arnold Schwarzenegger 90s action film Eraser. Where uh, they were yes. trying to erase Vanessa Williams. <laughs> and they had the rail guns that locked on the heartbeats. Yep. It was still a good Arnold movie. A lot better than his recent ones. But uh, that's pretty much it in the real world. Uh, back to the future for this episode. Because uh, we probably we won't have any of these segments on the next couple of episodes, depending on how long that runs. And we're going to get into that in just one second. But back to the future this week. Uh, a couple of uh, recent movies came out of high note that you should see. I'm sure most of you have already seen Interstellar. Uh, if you haven't, go see it before it gets spoiled for you. It's it, only number two in the box office. Oh, really? What beat it? Oh, did Big Hero 6? Yes. That's because, you know, two parents go to see it, but they drop off their six kids <laughs> to go into that film. So that's the that's what happened. Yeah. But uh, Interstellar, Jesse's both seen it. I've seen it. Uh, actually, I just saw it last night. Jesse saw it on opening day. Phenomenal. Uh, and uh, this was somewhat funny. I need, I need y'all's help, listeners. Christopher Nolan now has three films. <laughs> that have a common denominator. He has Insomnia, he has Inception, and now Interstellar. I like the way it sounds. <laughs> it's the end trilogy. There's some, there has, Christopher Nolan doesn't do any accidents in his films. There's something, there's something here that connects all three of these films, and I need your help to find it out, because I don't have time to watch these three movies in that depth again. But yeah. Yeah, in, in, in. You know, in. Oh wait, that's right. And look. Well, see, he wrote them too, so it has to be, there's something there. <laughs> there's something here. You know, they're all, with the exception of Interstellar, they're all like, in, an inception, you know, is a thing. Oh, yeah, he, a didn't write, thing. he didn't write Insomnia. Oh, he didn't? No. Did his brother get one, one more credit just to see? I thought Jonathan Nolan might have something. To, nope, never mind. Okay, so. It's broken. <laughs> okay, so now it's only a duology. <laughs> but he could have put something in on set. Exactly. There, 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 there has to be some t- thread between these three. Because the so, way uh, Writers Guild credits works, he can he couldn't get credit for it. That's that true. And, yeah, you're exactly you're exactly. So right. even if you wrote a scene in there, it's not it. You know. So if mm. uh, this comes out, you know, ten years later, some hotshot, you know, nerd, it's like, yeah, I've recently read all this. Oh, but wait, The Prestige, The Dark Knight, Whoa. The Dark Knight Rises. My God. The N N D. Everything is in threes. <laughs> wait, three <laughs> times three is nine divided by three. Equals three. three. Uh, that's no coincidence. <laughs> Christopher, three syllables. <laughs> My God. There's something to do with threes. Look, his credits on IMDb, writer, producer, director. He was born July 3-0. Uh, there's a three in the name. If you take out the Y, which sometimes counts as a vowel, you have J-U-L, which is three letters. Yep. And that's exactly the plot of the mo- the movie, the number twenty one, starring <laughs> yeah. Jim Carrey. That's how oh, stupid, oh, whatever, whatever stupid number it is. Oh God, it's everywhere. Yeah, because it's numbers and everything is math. Yeah. So you can get any number into anything with enough math. That's the power of math. Enough said on that. Uh, Three Batmans. <laughs> let's see. Follow. In- Wait, that's written. Where's? Let's see. Ing, let's see, follow Ing. Okay, like one in the Ing. But nothing came out 2003. Mm. Aha! That's the year he thought of his threes. Uh. In 2003. <laughs> My God. 
Anyway, <laughs> but, uh, go see Interstellar. It is phenomenal. I would not be surprised if McConaughey got another acting nomination for it. Uh, Hathaway might get another supporting as well. Uh, we'll see. There's more threes I can make, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Send us your threes for Christopher Nolan-related things to asiavisited at gmail.com. He's 5'11". 5 minus 1 minus 1. Dear God, Jesse, stop. <laughs> We're going to do this all night. I know. Uh, but also, uh, Birdman, uh, I had the pleasure of seeing that. A f- excellent, excellent film. Uh, that's one That's one of those, like, when you're done watching it, you kind of got to talk about it. Mm. You know, it's a, it's a good movie to see with you know somebody, and you can talk about it and bounce some ideas off each other. But uh, it's a technically, it's te- technically wise, it's a masterpiece. And I say, when you see that, Tell me how many cuts you see in that film. That's all I'm going to say. When you're watching it, just just be mindful of how many cuts you see. Mm. And then go IMDb, the trivia, and then you'll be like, wow, damn, that's pretty cool. But uh, also don't be surprised if uh, it's a French director, I believe, for Birdman, but he, I imagine he'd probably get a, a directing nom. Uh, I would shit 10 bricks if Michael Keaton does not get a Best Actor nomination for that role. Wow. Uh, and probably uh, Norton from the supporting cast would probably get a nomination too and would not be surprised. Uh, it's it's not it's the closest genre I could say for Birdman is maybe like a dark comedy. It's not like a com it, like the the trailer makes it seem like maybe it's a straight up comedy. I'd say, but it's it's much deeper than that. Uh, it's very surrealistic, uh, but nevertheless, it's a good time at the movies and it's thoroughly entertaining. So definitely check that one out. And we got an email from our good friend John from Riverside, California. Uh, now he did he did say this, but we got plenty of time. We can. This fucking pot. This episode can run twenty fucking minutes over, <laughs> or it can run five minutes. It's, it's what we want. But yep. he did put it in. I want to say this because it is a long email. But he did. He had the courtesy to say, "Feel free to edit or cut out some of this email." But no, John, we don't do that to our listeners. We want the raw emotion. We want all the feelings and all that stuff. So the entire email. I don't know. I don't know. You're from Riverside. I don't know what a California accent is, except if I'm doing like a girl or something, because that's how California girls talk. So I'm not gonna insinuate that you're a girl. But I know you're not. Your John, name's John. I'm pretty sure John's and, not. Girl. Unless it could be short for Johnita. I don't know. Johnette. Jo- there you go. <laughs> Maybe it's like some weird spelling of Joan in LA. Uh, or Riverside, I should say. Which we were in, I was actually in Riverside uh, around May of this year. Uh, well, my parents had to get an alcohol license for their bed and breakfast up in Big Bear. Me and Autumn. What's the name Walt- of that? Uh, the Knickerbocker Mansion in Big Bear Lake, California. Pay it a visit. Tell them I sent you and get a discount. There you go. Uh, and if they don't give you a discount, let me know. I will call my parents and say, hey, they're a local, <laughs> they're a listener of my podcast. Yeah. Give them a fucking discount. And Which a free bottle, a free bottle of wine, guaranteed. <laughs> but uh anyway, we were in Riverside while they were doing that, and like there's a little in the center of the, I guess, downtown. We pretty much walked the block and the park for like three hours while the government of Riverside, California took forever to process an alcohol license. Oh, we got to see the Mission Inn. Yeah, we saw the Mission Inn. There's the Mission If you like missions. Uh, (laughs) There was, however, like a, uh, which we didn't get to go, but I would like to go back there to visit it. There's an airplane graveyard there, which uh, if you like look at the uh, aerial view of Google Maps, uh, you know, it's like a a boneyard. I think, you know, it's kind of what they call it. It looks really cool. Yeah, I'm like, oh, we should like take the well, car and go there. The river, because it's called Riverside, and we're like, so where's this river? <laughs> yeah, it dried up, and they not put an there. interstate where it was. <laughs> it's not there. Something like that. But anyway, John, no further. Uh, without further ado, he says, "Dear Trey and Jesse, I am still a listener. Too bad Daniel didn't see the success of your entertaining podcast because he's a little bitch." That was my emphasis. Not <laughs> John didn't say that. Just kidding, Daniel. We still love you. If you still listen to the podcast, in fact, this is a test. Daniel, you're a little bitch. <laughs> Call me out on it. I will, if he says something about it, I'll know that he still listens to the podcast. And I'll report back every week as to whether or not Daniel's called me out for calling him a little bitch. But, so we'll see. You but won't Daniel, be reporting anything. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, you, say, you say he died, but what was the real reason? He died. <laughs> John, there's nothing to tell. He died. Yeah. There's a moment in a man's life when a soul dies. <laughs> Sure, the body still walks. Walks, but the soul, <laughs> the soul, the spark of that what made it a man was in fact gone. Yes, but actually he fell down an elevator shaft onto some bullets. Yeah, uh, but he and all some bullets that were happening <laughs> flying upwards. But in all honesty, he's doing well. He has two kids now, works two jobs, so he's busy being a, a dad and a husband and all that. And we wish him well, but he's a still a little bitch. <laughs> Andrea might listen. No, she doesn't. I think she only listened. Andrea, him. if you listen to this podcast, you're a little bitch. <laughs> 
report back. Yeah, just it's just to know if you still listen. No, no harm, no ill will and did it. Uh, but uh, John goes on to say, I really enjoy hearing your feedback on some of my favorite 80s movies. Thank you very much. I'm a huge movie lover. I have a collection of 1,560 plus DVD slash Blu-ray movies. Good Lord, son. Where's that slash VHS? I don't blame him because those things take up a sh- you can fit like four DVDs in the space of like yeah, three or two I should say but uh, I'm looking at an aerial map of Riverside uh, right now John on Google Maps and I don't see any place big enough to store that many so I assume the warehouse that you live at is you know Just somewhere in the city it, center probably, or something yeah. but uh, anyway uh, after listening to some of your podcasts it made me go back and watch some of the movies I haven't seen in a long time one was Big Trouble in Little China our first episode and Daniel's second least favorite movie that we did because he's a little bitch (laughs) Uh, which which John goes on to say that he still loves good on you John I knew you were a kindred spirit Uh, those three guys with the huge hats remind me of Raiden from Mortal Kombat definitely Uh, after listening listening to your Goonies revisit I immediately went to iTunes and downloaded the Corey Feldman song which uh, Jess you want to cue that up I want to read the rest (laughs) of this email with with that in the background because oh man now unfortunately that song's no longer on my playlist but I do need to add it back because that's my fucking jam y'all and go back to the Goonies episode. I forgot about this song. We got. I'm just, just so you know, guys. I'm just buffering some time here because there's a fucking ad in front of it. But here we go. Millennium. God, he's still banging hot chicks, man. God, Feldman still got it. Oh, he's a- so sleepy. <laughs> but watch the video on YouTube while I read this if you want. If you're watching at home, listening at home. But anyway, and he immediately downloaded the Corey Feldman song. His all-time favorite movie is Back to the Future, mainly because he loves the idea of time travel. So, go see Interstellar. Uh, but also, uh, I'm sure you listened to our three episodes on Back to the Future, so I hope you enjoy those as well, John. Uh, I, can, I can go on and on about what I like about your podcast, but please do. Please do. Uh, but I know you can't read very long emails. Uh-uh-uh, yes we can. Uh, you should do another 80s video game podcast. We will. Uh, if you read this on your podcast, I'd like to give a shout-out to my best friend, David Vallejo, who introduced me to your podcast. Thank you, David. Keep spreading the gospel of 80s Revisited. We appreciate it. We both nice. talk about you guys. I hope it's all good and you know maybe a little sexual sometimes. <laughs> uh, keep up the entertaining tangents. Will do, my friend, John from Riverside, California. P.S. A request for you guys to revisit The Wizard starring Fred Savage. It's basically a long Nintendo uh, commercial. Yes. It will be put the on the list, glove. my friend. Only for you, John. <laughs> until uh, David sent us a suggestion, too. And we'll, we'll, we'll throw you guys a bone out there. Keep it mm-hmm. real on Riverside, my friend. We appreciate it. But uh, get to the wrap-up real quick, and then we're going to blow your minds with what is about to assault your eardrums next week. Uh, don't forget, you can email us, like John did, uh, at 80sVisit at gmail.com, Facebook at Awesome Pods, uh, internet, on the internet at Awesome Pods, Twitter at Awesome Pods, and we're a part of the Awesome Podcast Network. There are multiple podcasts on that. Geekly Dose, Dual Attack, Jesse Sedgley Podcast, Why Don't You Know This, and Republic City Report. And a, always, as always, a big shout-out to our brothers in the 80s and all forms of nostalgia, John and James at Now vs. Nostalgia. Uh, and actually, if you enjoyed this ba- uh, look back at uh, Neverending Story, they recently did a same episode uh, on Neverending Story as well. And I did not repeat some of the trivia and stuff that they went over because I know a lot of people listen to both of them. So if you haven't uh, downloaded that one yet, please do give it a listen. It's a good companion one to this one and as ours is to theirs. Uh, and next next week for our true 100th episode, it's an 80s character battle royale. We've done 100 episodes. That will be our 100th episode, which means there are 99 fantastic characters one from each of the films that we've done will do battle oh wow in a single elimination tournament with one mystery combatant from our episode first movie episode after we get through this battle royale i'm expecting this to be at least two episodes so we can in-depth talk about some of these battles sure, yeah maybe even three or four we don't know how this will go but <laughs> tune in next week as we find out out of the 100 movies that we've covered which character would reign supreme in a ah. one-on-one death match to the death. <laughs> so until next week, everybody, I remain Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga!
Facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on Twitter at awesome pods.